Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. Uh, a couple topics I'm stoked to uh, get into. Going to open the show by first talking about an article. Um, pulled some resources together around it, but... It bears repeating. I think it's an important one. It's reasons to get divorced. Uh, it's the ones that I want us to consider track. And then we're going to get into some other stuff. So, um, yeah, let's start off hot, hitting the ground running. So, listen, one of the things I advocate for all the time, those that are, you know, longtime listeners of the show, is we got to start by always examining ourselves first. How are we impacting others and moving through the world? That's what healthy people do. And I've said this on the show before. I know a couple is really doing the work and getting healthier when they come into session saying, let me tell you what I did this week that I'm proud of. Let me tell you what I did this week that I'm not proud of versus them saying, with a finger pointed, my partner did this, my partner didn't do that. They're focused on themselves first, understanding that that's where the work begins. Also understand that we can't change other people, nor should we try. We can ask for behavior change, but we can't try to change who the person is. But more importantly, again, we realize that we are an important part of that system and that we can change that system by changing ourselves. Our partner is then on the receiving end of someone who's more loving, more caring, healthier, that elevates everyone's functioning. We're holding the bar high for ourselves, and in doing so, we hold the bar higher for our partner or our relationship. There there are too many things that have been normalized in our culture. I, I cover this a lot because it's something that, that needs a lot of repeating because when we look at the stages of change, not everyone is ready for action. Just because someone says, I want to start working out and moving my body more for health reasons, just because someone says, I want to start a spiritual practice or learning about something, it doesn't mean they're going to bam, step right into it. Action is not always immediate. Some people spend time in, well, not, not some people, everyone spends some amount of time in the contemplation stage, which is where they're trying to figure out what the work might look like, trying to work on building motivation, reasons for, reasons against. So that's why I hit topics often, repeatedly, because not only does repetition build it in, and a lot of us have no other place in the world where we're hearing these things, but also because it helps move people from contemplation where they're thinking about it, unsure, into action. I'm going to do it, and now I understand how and what it looks like. So that's the point of that. Um, and also because, again, culture, which is where we spend most of our time, not in therapy or with healthy books, podcasts, and radio shows, uh, or even around healthy friends at all, the world really instills problematic norms and values, which is why I've talked about the high rate of single men, that there's a crisis among men where there are wild numbers of them being single and the dating apps are more men than women. And that's because men don't have a lot of good relational skills. A lot of people are just blaming men. Oh, well, men need to step it up. Well, they do. But a lot of that is a result of every gender still reinforcing really toxic masculine and sexual 
sexist ideals on both ends of the spectrum, which is why we got to get a we got to go away from we have to get away from gendered norms and expectations and dating advice. It doesn't work like that. We all we all have the same expectations. Be better. Be compassionate. Be more transparent. Be more honest and authentic. Understand that you're impacting other people. That is not gendered. The real necessary work is the same for everyone. Do and be better. Stop playing games. Stop manipulating. Stop lying. Stop denying the impact you have on others. Consider the impact you have on others. None of this is about being a man or a woman or non-binary. None of this matters what genitals you have. But there's still people perpetuating guys are like this. Guys need this. This is what girls want. Like what planet are we on? We, we've already debunked all of that. But we need everyone to catch up. So... Let's, let's talk about this because again, there's too many things that we've accepted. Um, physical abuse I've talked about over and over how that's a deal breaker. The relationship ends the minute physical abuse happens. Someone hits, someone throws. I don't care what your gender is. It is not okay for a man to hit a woman. It is not okay for a woman to hit a man. It is not okay for two gay men to hit each other. It is not okay for non-binary people to hit each other. It has nothing to do with your sexual orientation or gender expression. Violence is violence is violence and it's never okay. And we don't get into relationships with people to bring violence into our lives. So if you're in a relationship with someone where you're violent or they're violent, step away and do some healing. If you're the violent person, you are not safe enough to be someone's parent, someone's friend, someone's partner, whoever it is you're abusing, you, you need to step away. You are not safe. Go do some healing. If you're in a relationship with someone who's physically abusive, a family member, a friend, someone you're married to, someone you're dating, the relationship ended the minute that that physical event happened and you have a right to step away and walk away. And in fact, you should. Can that person work on healing and resolving? Sure, but you need to step away until they do that. And they need to come back with a massive accountability plan, letting you know how they're working on it and, and a true deep apology. And, and again, I don't want to hear I'm going to. I want to know how you're going to. What therapy did you just start? What self-help books on anger and impulse, and impulse control are you reading? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Don't let someone just tell you, say, show me. I don't want to hear it. I want to see it. Don't tell me what you're doing. Show me what you're doing. I'll see when you're on your way to therapy that you're going. I'll see the book sitting out and watching you highlight and writing them. Show me. Don't tell me. We're going to come back and talk about the ones, though, that kind of slip under the radar because sadly, toxically, they become normalized. So we're going to come back, talk about that, and they'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, a question you want us to answer, something you want us to hit, drop deeper into, put all that in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We want to hear from you all. You're getting your needs met as someone else is also learning from that. Always anonymous, always confidential. It's a good thing about it. Get all your answers met, all your needs and answers. Uh, past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down there for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Because it's all about that repetition. Why? Because the quality of your life and your mental health is based on the quality of the practice. What are you practicing? Stick around. More to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast oh rachel we are back and we are getting real we're getting real we're answering uh, some of the questions y'all dropped in the DMs on our Loveland IG page and topics you want us to hit. And someone asked me to talk a little bit more about this because this comes from a post I put on my own Instagram, which is where a lot of dialogue and questions get generated. And then I bring them to the show. Or like I said, people put their questions or topics in the DMs on our Loveland IG page because we love hearing from you. And we're just talking about the normalization of certain things and how often it's gendered where we let certain people get away with stuff. Cause that's what men's do. That's what men, that's what men's do. That's what men do. That's how women are. No, 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 no. We all have the same expectations upon us. Be kind, be healthy, be transparent, be authentic. Consider the impact you have on other people. Like the dating rules are the same. Don't manipulate, don't play games. Like no one's let off the hook because of their gender. Um, and I was talking about, there's this profound thing going on culturally where we have a higher rate of single men than women. So for those that are interested in dating men, congrats, you got a wider, wider set of options. However, the reason why the, uh, options are so vast is because men aren't that healthy relationally. And that's because we socialize them to be that way. It's men are on the receiving end of some really bad norms, values, and socialization. Toxic masculinity harms everyone. Patriarchy harms everyone. It doesn't benefit men. Um, it historically has, but there's a lot of downsides to it. Men are denied the ability to be vulnerable and have feelings without being, you know, shamed because of their gender or called, you know, all sorts of different things. Um, men aren't raised to value relationality. They're, they're told to focus on sports and to go to work and just earn a living. Um, children, men, uh, games between boys are games that are always competitive and they're competing against where girls games are more relational and softer. Like we set people up to be that way. There's no, there's no study in the world that could ever tell you how different individuals or genders genders would be without socialization because everyone has internalized and assimilated into some cultural norms and values. You can't find this magical person to understand, you know, what it would be like if someone were raised in a vacuum or non-gendered with their training, which is what we're working on doing. But this isn't what we're talking about tonight. What we're talking about are as a result of all that, what are the things that need to be worked on? What is the solution to that? 
And I was starting off by talking about violence, how violence is violence no matter who does it. It doesn't matter if it's a female hitting a male, that is violence, that's assault, that is not okay. It doesn't matter if it's between two women or two men, a gay couple, a lesbian couple, that is violence and assault and that is not okay, not okay ever. And the relationship ends the minute, the minute that happens. But what happens underneath of all that, around that, beside that, are a few things that we let people off the hook. You know, uh, physical violence is so apparent and obvious and able to be um, labeled as such. But things like emotional abuse and substance abuse kind of like creep underneath. And I've talked about this on the show before. So for a lot of, you know, ongoing listeners, this is a little bit of a recap. But emotional abuse is never okay either. And the relationship should end the minute that happens as well. Name calling, putting someone down, manipulating, threatening, that's psychological and emotionally abusive. And that's not okay ever. Not for, not between friends, not between family members, not between lovers or partners. Um, you are in a toxic dynamic. And if you're the person doing it, work on healing and stop. And if you're the person on the receiving end, get out. But then we talk about things like substance abuse. I'm all for expecting people to, 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 to be a part of the healing process if you are struggling with mental health or, or, or substance abuse. But if you're not willing to work on it, well, then it's different. If you're in a relationship with someone who has an undealt with mental health or substance abuse issue and they're not willing to get support, care, or get into therapy for it, then you have a right to say, well, then there isn't a relationship to be had because you're not available or accessible. Because remember, relationships are about all parties involved. And you know, one of the things that came out of pandemic was some increased misuse or abuse of drugs and alcohol. And so we're really working on tapping into what do we now need moving forward as a result of that? Because some of these new things weren't there before. Where there are some couples that now have domestic violence that didn't pre-pandemic. The stressors were less. There was more time apart. People had more energy to regulate themselves. It's a multitude of reasons. Same thing with emotional abuse. And now that people were home, dealing with a lot of chaos, anxiety, financial and employment-based pressures, again, misuse of drugs and alcohol has spiked. So what does that mean? It means we have to really, really talk with our partners about what's going on in this new relationship. Because what was before, the expectations are different now. A lot is different. We're hearing these stories about, what with the newest one, this was wild. I saw two different news reports and I've seen a flood of articles on it. Quiet quitting. Have you heard of this quiet quitting thing? I think it emerged really on TikTok. And it was talking about how people are now quietly quitting. And what was really funny is everyone, and myself included, was like, wait a minute, no one's quitting. It doesn't mean someone's quit their job. It just meant that people are now having better work-life boundaries. Um, they're closing their laptop at the end of their day. If work ends at five, at five, they're done with work. If work ends at six, they're done with six. And they're only doing the tasks that are part of the job and assigned. And they're saying, outside of that, I go into my private life and I don't feel the need to drag work into my private life. Um, and so it's really just people doing self-care and better boundaries, but they're calling it quiet quitting, which is like such an odd misnomer. Um, so that's another example of where things are shifting. People are realizing like, we have to take care of ourselves. Self-care has to be a primary, but I want us to do this within our relationships and marriages as well. Hey, we're coming out of a time where we normalized and allowed certain things that we're not going to keep taking with us forward. <laughs> so take stock in that, sit down and say, Hey, what habits or um, I guess habits is still the right word, but what, what habits in relationship to different things around me do I want to maybe release or shift? But also what patterns with my partner, family members, or friends might have been created that made sense during the pandemic that now doesn't 
as we're still in a pandemic, people are still getting COVID, but as we move into the next phase of life, because we never go backwards, we only go forward, how, how do we need to shift and change? And that's a question we have to keep asking. But our relationship to some of these things has to be healed. I'm working with a lot of different patients that are like, where did this come from? <laughs> and we're saying, yes, that's right. Welcome to some new forms of you know, mental, mental distress and relational anxiety that wasn't there before. So again, we're gonna come back and talk more about this, but we're laying the groundwork. Um, and then later we're gonna be doing some DMs. So if you've got a question for us, put in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Stick around though, more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we are back. Before the break, we were talking about some of these new things that have been normalized and emerged as a result of pandemic and lockdown and just this current cultural moment and talking about how we're actually going to hold ourselves accountable to being better and our partners and the people in our lives to being better. We were talking about this new phenomenon called quiet quitting, which is actually a mis, mis, mislabeling of just better work-life boundaries and, and whatnot. Um, also, I want people to really pay attention to their relationship to their, to their bodies and to food because the summer's coming. And this was really brought to my attention through a couple of celebrities that were out there talking about it. But an interesting article came out where it was looking at some famous actors and the famous roles that they had played and the very unhealthy dieting and exercise habits and requirements that were placed upon them for these roles. In fact, so problematically so that some of them turned down a return to those roles for sequels or second seasons saying, I can't live like that anymore. It's too hard on my body and my mental health. Oh yeah, and every other area of my life when I'm starving myself or force feeding myself or overtraining as a result of meeting some aesthetic ideal, which we're moving away from that in general anyway, let's stop trying to enforce a certain vision or ideal of beauty or athleticism or strength or masculinity or femininity. I am so thankful that I'm seeing TikToks and Instagram posts of women that are showing their body hair, their facial hair, their chest hair, their chin hair, and they're like, I'm not gonna participate in the male gaze, meaning I'm not gonna live my life based on what I believe or I've been trained to believe a man needs to see me look like or do to be seen as attractive. People are pushing back on desire desirability politics and identity saying my total goal in life isn't to be attractive to the gender that I'm attracted to. A, a, a hetero woman's job is not to throughout the entire day make sure she's always looking attractive to her husband or boyfriend or to men by plucking and shaving and all these things. And, and we're all getting in on that. Even with aging, we're, we're pushing back on this whole idea of being anti-aging. You can't be against aging. It's a healthy thing. And it's going to happen to all of us. You can't be anti a healthy process and we need to normalize it. Not, I'm loving seeing celebrities that aren't wearing makeup and they're not getting into Photoshopping and things like that. More of that. Let's stop participating in the same systems that harm us. Because every time you run a filter on your photo, every time you get Botox, every time, all of this is you strengthening the same system that's obviously harming you. And that's why you're doing that. But we're keeping that ball in the air. Let's Let's back away from it. But having said that, I appreciate that we're all going to participate in it to some extent. We all want to feel good about ourselves. I'm not knocking Botox and airbrushing. I'm just saying, let's not always do it. Let's not do it to the same extent. Let's normalize and support those that, those that don't do it. Let's move towards freedom and liberation away from. I said that profoundly to a bunch of people that were shocked when I said, I saw some commercial for men's makeup. And I said, dear God in heaven, let's not normalize that. Not because I'm against men wearing makeup, but I'm against anyone feeling as though they have to wear makeup and normalizing a makeup looking 
face that I don't want to ever be held accountable to. If I have a zit, I want to be able to just have a zit on my face and be like, yeah, there it is. I'm not going to hide it in shame as though I have to always present myself as hot and perfect. I'm not wearing makeup. If I have bags under my eyes and I have bags under my eyes and I'll sleep a little bit more, but like, I don't want to normalize that we all have to perform perfect or perform attractiveness all day long or even at all. So participate to the extent that is meaningful and necessary for you while also pushing back on it because it harms all of us, which is evidenced by the people participating in it. You're only doing it because you feel like you have to, right? We'd all be better off without it. If we all lived on a deserted island by ourselves, we wouldn't be doing these things because again, we're doing it to feel desired. We're doing it to feel acceptable. And we want to kind of push back on that. So I'm here for that. So I'm proud of these celebrities that are like, we're not doing that anymore. We're not performing that. I'm so thankful that we're in this radical time where people are like, I don't need to be desirable. <laughs> I'm just going to be myself. And so I, I'm so proud of the women that are pushing back on that and the men as well um, that are just not saying, that, you know, or participating in the idea that we have to be bigger or more muscular and all of that. Because I can't tell you how pretty much every single patient I work with at some extent has to go up against this. We all do you know, body positivity and body neutrality is for everyone. Cause I'm all about body neutrality. Let's, let's get to a place where it doesn't matter. You know, where no one's dressing for their size. They're just wearing what feels good and it's comfortable. You know, where no one feels like they have to get a beach body. They're just taking the body that they have to the beach and enjoying the sun in the ocean and not caring about being hot or what someone thinks like, let's get to that world. So I love seeing all of this. Um, but it was interesting when I was reading the article of all the shocking and extreme demands on these actors in order to play the roles and how a lot of people don't realize that. And they think that that's how they have to look to be hot and we're glamorizing it. And then we all feel the pressure to live up to it. And it's like, let's just stop doing that. Let's use normal people in movies, normal people in fashion. Let's wear what makes us feel good. Let's not follow fashion trends or dress for our size. Let's just move our bodies and exercise. And however we look, we look, we're not going to punish ourselves with the gym or exercise. We're not going to shame ourselves for eating things and enjoying like that's mental health. <laughs> letting go of all that. Oy, wouldn't it be nice if we actually got to that place in the world? All right, we're going to come back and do some DMs and then we're going to hit um, the the main topic of the show, which is uh, what does it look like to have that talk? What are the important things that we should talk to partners about if we're going to enter a romantic, erotic relationship with them? And if you're already in one, maybe you've been married for decades, you still need to be aware of and talking about these things. So this show is literally for every human being, except for people that are asexual, but even people that are asexual still have sex. Yeah, not everyone even knows that. So again, a show for everyone. But when we come back, we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, question, topic, something you want us to hit, circle back to, put it in the DMs on our love line IG page. Otherwise, don't go anywhere. Stick around. Lots more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This next DM is uh, something I get asked a lot of questions about. I think I'm going to do an entire show on it, but I'll give you guys a little bit of the bullet points. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, I'm in a relationship. We've been together for about five years. Ah, congratulations. That's a long time. However, our sex life and passion have started to wax and wane. I know we're not doomed, but are there any tips you have for how we can keep sex and passion alive? I love this question because I think it's something that we all can relate to. And if we can't, it is something we might at some point, because no matter how much we love someone, no matter how much we are attracted to them, we have to expect different events in our lives, our mood, relational stuff, job stresses, illnesses, medications, all those things are going to shift our relationship to our bodies. Um, all that's going to shift our sex lives. But there are a few things that I always recommend to keep things intact and in place. 
Um, so let's get into it. Uh, first, you got to prioritize it. <laughs> and that's what you're doing by asking that question. You're already inherently saying, this is important. We want to work on this. Um, you also have to make sure that you're both open to initiating. Sometimes that's all that's needed is we over rely on one partner to initiate. Sometimes it's gendered. We think the male or masculine partner has to be the one initiating. Nope. It's for all of us to do. I don't care what your gender is. I don't care what your mask or femininity is about. Um, we all have to be willing to act on our uh, arousal. And that's the other piece. Start tracking your arousal. A lot of people don't notice when they're turned on and they wait for a big dramatic expression of arousal or they wait for their partner to initiate. Um, so start tracking moments throughout the day when you're feeling turned on because we really want to work on spontaneity, letting arousal build in our bodies, recognizing it as such, and then doing something with it. And if our partner's home, we can start to kind of bring it to them. And if they're not, we can maybe start foreplay by sending them text messages or pictures and kind of getting the ball rolling, building up that excitement. Um, also, if you're ever cuddling or touching, we want to start pushing on what I call the edges of possibility. There's just this edge where we have the potentiality of going further, pushing further along, but sometimes we just back off of it. You know, we're maybe cuddling and we start to notice a little arousal in our body and we that edge of possibility is there where we maybe think, let my hand wander with consent. Let me kiss my partner. Um, and that's a big choice point. And I want us to lean into pushing a little bit further, push on that edge, the edges of possibility. Also, it's about creating newness and novelty. And that can happen with the smallest tweaks, just changing the smallest element. I'm actually going to do a whole segment on this. So uh, I'll go deeper into these points, but I'm kind of giving you the, the brief answer. But push uh, push on your, norm, your normal edges by creating new novel things, doing things differently at different times in different places, different parts of our body, starting, starting sex differently, ending sex differently. Um, <clears throat> also, if you're out in the world and you're turned on, bring that sexual energy home to your partner. That's another really important tool, uh, letting it build and bringing it to our partner. Um, also, we want to work on creating the conditions for our arousal to occur. And that's about really understanding what you need to feel sexy. Uh, what do you need to wear? What process do you need to go through? Um, what, what, what tends to kind of turn you on and get you in the mood? Really learning about our sexual selves. Um, and then, of course, if your partner makes a sexual attempt to connect and you're not in the mood, offer something that's receptive. You just don't want to be a hard line to know. You want to say, let's cuddle instead. Let's hold hands. Let's just talk. Let's maybe make out. Let's have sex later. But you want to do something so that they don't feel shut down or shut out. Offer something. Also, push on the boundaries as to what parts of your body you allow to have touch. That's part of that you know, spontaneity. That's part of that um, pushing on the edges. And then finally, Make sure you're focusing more on fun. It's not about making sure we're having penetration or orgasms or using our genitals. It's about just really building on, um, build, building, building more intimacy, fun, and not getting so hung up on a goal. We don't want to. We don't want to. We don't want to have one targeted goal as our as our, as what we're working on. I remind my patients that all the time. We're not working on penetration. We're working on sex, and sex is a broad umbrella term that includes a lot of things. And we have to be open to seeing all of those things as legitimate forms of sexuality and eroticism. We can't always think of it in terms of penetration and orgasm and genitals. That's a really reductive um, elementary version. All right, y'all, you got a question for us? Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Uh, questions, topics, things you want us to cover. Love to hear from you. And um, we are channelq.com. That's where you want to go to check out past episodes of the show. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. You know, stick around, though. We got a lot more for you. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere.
All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about the talk. What does that mean? Oh, but Dr. Chris, I've been married for 30 years. I don't need to have the talk. Yeah, you do. This is what everyone who's in a relationship with anyone that is sexual or might be sexual or has been sexual needs to think about and consider. Also known as the question, are you mature enough to be having sex? Are you mature enough to be in a romantic relational? Let me say it differently. Are you mature enough to be in a romantic, erotic relationship with someone? Because if you haven't talked about these things or don't feel confident or comfortable talking about these things, you ain't ready. You know, someone's like, how do I know if I'm ready for sex? Doesn't matter how long you've been dating someone. It's are you are you willing and able to talk about these important things that we're going to talk about tonight? And if not, well, then the answer is no. That's how you determine sexual readiness. Do you know what you like? Do you know what you don't like? Do you know how to take care of yourself? That's the question. Because sex promises nothing but fun and joy, we hope. And again, for a lot of people, it doesn't. Sex doesn't mean they're going to become your boyfriend. Sex doesn't mean she's going to become your wife. Sex doesn't mean you're going to start a family. Sex doesn't mean you're going to fall in love. That is the wrong reason to have sex because you're using it as a vehicle to something else. And it doesn't promise that. That's like people that get married thinking it's going to build more trust or intimacy or love. No, it doesn't. It's, it's, it's a federally regulated contract. Trust is trust is trust. And that's there whether you're married or not. And it can go whether you're married or not. It's based on the relationship you create with someone, which has nothing to do with whether or not you walk down the aisle or sign a contract. Those are structures. What really creates trust and love and commitment and care is what these two people are doing every day, which has, again, nothing to do with what papers you've signed or whether or not you've walked down an aisle. Same thing. Sex promises nothing. Sex should be done for sex's sake only, not because you expect it to promise, bring, or provide anything else because you're going to be let down. I try to tell people that when you're about to have your sexual debut, because I don't use the word virginity, it's very shaming, and I'm excited for people when they start to have sex for the first time. How exciting. Let's celebrate that. But do it because you want to have sex, not because you think it's going to promise anything, because most people do not marry or fall in love or whatever it is with the first or first 15 people they have sex with. That's not what it's about. Have a lot of sex, but just do it in the right way and in a healthy way and you'll be good because we need to go through sexual developmental milestones. Just like I tell people, date a lot to learn who you are, what you like, and to have these relational developmental milestones around communication, boundaries, et cetera, et cetera. We learn these things by doing them. And a lot of adults that have been together forever still have not had the necessary conversations because people don't even know what it's supposed to sound like or look like And we have a lot of anxiety about talking about these topics. Before we get into it, side example, and I've shared this before, I've asked some couples that have been in a monogamous relationship for decades, do you all ever talk about what monogamy means, what it doesn't mean? And they're like, well, no, they know. And I'm like, no, they don't. And you can't hold them accountable to your definition if you've never talked about it and they haven't agreed. They're going by their definition. It might be very different from yours. Neither one of you is right or wrong. If you haven't committed to anything, you both have a right to act from your own definition. You better define things. Isn't it wild that we live in a world where we have these terms like monogamy, but we haven't defined it with the person we're holding accountable to it? Isn't that a shocker? Not to me, but we need to talk about certain things. So what's the first thing we have to talk about? Drum roll, STD and STI status. If you are not ready to say to your partner, when's the last time you were tested for an STD or an STI, or what might I be coming in contact with, then you are not ready or mature enough to be having sex. We have to be willing to ask, and we have to be willing to be asked. And embedded in that is a lot, meaning go get tested. If you're having sex frequently, get tested frequently. If your partner hasn't been tested in a while, say to them, I'd like for you and me to get tested and then I'll start being sexual with you. And and yes, you do need to disclose. It's called informed consent. If someone doesn't know what they're coming in contact with and they can't consent, that's a surprise attack. 
So should people disclose on their own? Yes. But should we ask because it's our responsibility what we're coming in contact with? Also, yes. Don't assume they're going to disclose because of shame and stigma. You need to ask. But for those that have something to disclose, yes, I do put it upon you to disclose. It's called informed consent. And if you're not, then that person isn't consenting to sex. It's a consent violation. And from the door, you're not building trust. In fact, you're building the opposite. But again, if you can't ask about STD and STI status, then I don't trust you can ask about the other things that you need to ask about. And a caveat, we're not using words like clean or dirty. Someone contracting an STD or STI isn't dirty. All of us have the potential of getting one. You aren't clean and they're not dirty. It's positive or negative. We need to stop shaming people that have tested positive for STD and STIs because if we don't stop shaming, people aren't going to get tested and people aren't going to disclose. We all have to be a part of making that system healthier so people will feel comfortable just putting it out there. Normalize it. Everyone, all you have to do is have sex one time and it doesn't even have to involve penetration and you could possibly have come in contact. In fact, herpes simplex one, yeah, you most likely have. And even simplex two, you most likely have as well if you've had sex with more than one person. So let's just call that out. We talk about safer sex so as to not shame someone who might've contracted something. Sex is never safe, but neither is being near or touching another human being in any capacity is never safe. You can get monkeypox, you can get COVID, you can get a lot of other bacteria and viral infections called the flu, a cold, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Transmitting something via sex is not grosser than you getting a cold that you're on the couch pooping your pants and blowing your nose for a week. That's grosser. Most SD and STIs are cleared up with a shot and a pill and you're back to life right away. So sex doesn't make it grosser. If we can say I got a, the flu from you know travel, we should be able to say I got an STI from sex, but we don't use words like clean or dirty. We're going to come back. Stick around. More to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all. We're back talking about the talk. And everyone, whether you've been with your partner for 30 years or brand new, needs to be able to have this talk. I'm worried about couples that don't and can't because then what else are you not able to talk about? Because you don't know how to build intimacy, which is about having difficult conversations. If you're not talking about some things that are hard to talk about, you don't have intimacy. First thing we talked about was STD and STI status. We have to be willing to ask. We have to be willing to disclose. It is your responsibility to ask a human being before you have sex with them, when were you tested and what might I be coming in contact with? Just like the person who might have tested positive does need to disclose. Otherwise, that's a consent violation. We can't consent if we don't have all the facts or details. And if you're withholding something, then we definitely don't have it. We definitely can't consent. We have to be able to talk about this. Um, and we're not using words like clean and dirty. Someone coming up positive for that is not dirty. They just came up positive. It's like any other viral or bacteria infection, which we get all day long and come in contact with all day long. What are the other things we need to talk about? Things that turn us on. Oh yeah, we're not mind reading. We're not assuming. And all women don't like the same stuff and all men don't like the same stuff. Every single person is different. And in fact, when we come together with someone, we co-create something new. So what was hot for you with a primary, uh, with a past partner isn't necessarily with the current or future partner. Don't assume. Those are the worst sex partners, people that assume, thinking they know what everyone likes. No, you don't. You got to find out. We have to be willing to share and we have to be willing to ask. Don't assume. Don't mind read. Those are the worst partners. They just go into it with their eyes closed. That's ridiculous. Be an adult. If you're not willing to talk about what you like and ask for it, you are not ready or mature enough to have sex. You have to tell someone, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. That feels good. Keep doing that. That doesn't feel good. Please stop. So yeah, we have to have some awareness of ourselves. What parts of your body do you like touched? What parts of your body do you not like touched? Why? 
We have to ask for the sex we want. I can't tell you how many people I work with that have been with partners a multitude of times, maybe even married, and they've never told them what they like or don't like, and they're having sex they don't want to have. That is on you. That is not on your partner. They shouldn't inherently know. Everyone is different. Two-thirds of women don't orgasm from penetrative sex. That means one-third do. Which one are you? Of those two-thirds, some of them want penetration and clitoral. Of those two-thirds, some of them just want clitoral. Which one are you? Your partner doesn't know that walking through the door. Same thing with someone who's a penis owner. Do they prefer oral? Do they like manual? Are they just penetratively obsessed? Who knows? You got to ask. Do they like the rear, rear end engaged or touched? Do they not? These are things we have to talk about. We don't know these things. We can't assume these things. And if you're not ready to talk about turn-ons and turn-offs, you are not ready or mature enough to be having sex. That is a part of it. We are not moving into the rest of the year having sex we don't want to have with people that we don't feel comfortable even talking to about these things. That is a big old deal breaker or at least a red flag. Why are you having such an experience with someone that's supposed to be rooted in pleasure and joy and fun, but yet you're not even centering that or asking for that? Healthy partners will want to know if you're enjoying the sex. Healthy individuals will also care about your experience of sex with them. This will be meaningful information. But again, it's on both of us. Ask, share, talk about it. There's no shame in that. In fact, I want couples to be able to have those kind of conversations. So again, the first thing we have to be able to talk about is STD and STI status. Then we have to be able to talk about turn-ons and turn-offs. If you can't even imagine those two things, then you are not ready. Practice. Practice talking about it to yourself. Practice talking to your friends about it. Ask your friends if they ask these questions. Ask your friends why they don't. Roll your eyes when you realize or hear that they don't and they're so anxious or fearful or immature around sexuality. Remind them of how important it is. Remind your partner of how important it is. Be part of that change. It's really, really, really valuable. The turn-ons is important because we want to have the sex we want to have. The turn-offs is equally as important because we don't want to have sexual trauma. We don't want to walk away from having had sex or from sex with our partner feeling bad about ourselves, our body, or them in general. You know, every time we have sex with someone, even if it's a one-night stand, we don't know their name, we can't see their face, it's behind a dumpster at nighttime in an alley and I have you know, something over my eyes and I can't see them, we still walk away feeling better about our bodies and sex or not. We still walk away feeling safer and as though sex feels good or not. We always walk away with an association from every experience. Start making them more positive. So if you like things, ask for it. If you don't like things, say, please stop, I don't enjoy that. Or tell them ahead of time, hey, just so you know, I know a lot of people like blank, but I don't. Hey, just so you know, I love it when you fill in the blank. You can do it before, you can do it during, you can even do it after. It's part of aftercare. Hey, that was really hot. Next time, could you this? Next time, could you not that? And then we take that forward to our next new partners. It's an important thing. We have to be able to do these things and talk about these things. That's how we get into issues because this is general general um, boundaries and communication skills. So again, the things, you know, the turn-ons, great. The turn-offs, talk about things that are boundaries, triggers, because some people are cautiously or courageously returning to sex or romance after having dealt with toxic partners or sexual trauma and assault. And this is a big moment for you to give voice and empowerment, which is the most important thing in healing trauma is voice, choice, and empowerment, where I feel like I can vocalize and advocate for myself, where I make choices that's in my best interest and tell people no and set boundaries with people. And empowerment, I notice and watch myself taking care of myself, which starts to make me feel safer with myself, but also with others and in the world where that hadn't been there before. 
But in able to have that experience, we have to curate and set it up for that kind of experience. We have to set up experiences that lead to mastery, not ones that reinforce disempowerment or victimization. And so this is where these conversations come in. We're taking care of ourselves. We're honoring ourselves. We're realizing again that every, all these interactions have an impact. None of this is neutral, which is good and bad. I love corrective experience, but it can also work against us. So again, STD and SDI status, the things that turn us on, and more importantly, the things that turn us off, and also the things that maybe trigger us. Because it's not always just a turn off, sometimes it's a trigger. Um, all right, we'll come back and we'll talk more about what needs to be part of the uh, talk for adults. And then we'll be doing DMs. So you got the drill. Got a question for us, topic wants to hit, something wants to circle back, drop deeper into, put it on the, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. It's all there, y'all. Good stuff. Because um, it's all about that repetition, unlearning and relearning, unlearning and relearning, hearing that stuff because we got to practice. All right, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about what needs to go into the talk. And, you know, even as adults married for decades, these are the things you have to be able to talk about. So some of it's just a litmus test for how intimate and vulnerable is your relationship or your marriage. Because if you can't talk about these things, as I say all the time to nauseum, I'm worried about the other things that are important that you can't talk about. We have to be able to have hard conversations. That's how trust is actually built. Not in the easy, fun conversations, which are great. Those are bonding, but trust is truly built when we drop into our deeper, harder, more vulnerable, anxiety-inducing material, because that's when we really bear ourselves. We realize, wow, this is someone I could do that with. They really want to be known, and they really want to know me, and having these talks about sex is kind of the most profound way to be able to do that. Think about it. This is, for a lot of us, the way culture set it up, the most most anxiety-inducing and vulnerable parts of ourselves. So we're talking about STD and SDI status. We're talking about turn-ons. We'll come back and talk a little bit more about turn-offs. But also we have to talk about relational intentions and expectations because trust me when I tell you that you harm people when you don't make your needs clear on all ends. And I want us to ask and I want us to share. We don't want to manipulate. We don't want to mislead. And that's why it's not just consent, meaning, okay, well, I told them what I wanted. And so here they are. It's like, okay, but also add compassion. If you realize they're still not managing it well or tolerating it well, or it's landing hard on them, you kind of call that out. Like, hey, I know I told you I just want to be friends. And you said that was cool. It doesn't really seem like it is. Is everything okay? Check in on it. But we do want to share our relational intentions and our relational expectations. What does that mean? Well, it's what are you looking for out of this? And I'm not saying you can talk about that on the first date unless you have a profound thought about it. You know, yeah, if you're on date one and you know that you don't want anything serious, tell them that. Give them that chance. Just like if you're already in a primary relationship and your relationship is open, you need to tell people that from the door so they can make a choice. Otherwise, you're manipulating them. There's a lot of people on these apps that are already with a primary partner but in an open relationship and they don't make that known. Put it on the app. You're withholding from putting it out there because you know it's going to reduce the number of potential partners, but it should. And to not do so is to manipulate them. But that exists even for people that are looking for a primary partner and considered fully single. Let people know if you're just wanting something casual. And if you don't know, then you don't know. But when you do start to know, you need to share that. We are responsible for how we impact people. But 
stop feeling like a victim and reading between the lines and trying to read your text messages to friends to try to decode what this other person wants, ask them. That's why the key word is you have to share your intentions, but you also have to share your expectations. What are you expecting? Both of you are in this. Everyone should be talking that out. Here's what I'm expecting. Here's what my intentions are. So if you don't know what the other person wants, ask, hey, we've been hanging out for a while. What is it you're looking for? Hey, last night was really great. Couldn't get a read if you're interested in something serious, possibly, or if you're wanting something more casual. Just trying to decide how to move forward. Because again, remember, we date to decide if we're compatible for a relationship. Dating isn't the relationship. Dating is the exploration of one. It should take months and months to see what we're like as a couple to determine if we should be in a committed relationship. We can't make that commitment before we know what it's like to be with them. I don't care how hot you are. I don't care how much fun it was. You don't know within a few weeks what you are like as a couple. It's not possible. You have to go through milestones. You have to have conflict. You have to meet each other's friends, family members. You have to really, really, really see what the two of you are like as a unit. And that is not possible within just a few weeks. That is impulsive and you're operating off of lust. And that's an important factor to bring us together, but we have to build on more than that. And so you do need to talk about expectations and intentions, but people are afraid to and they want to try to just figure it out on their own. No, share it and tell it. And another thing that I think is really interesting, and this is born out of someone else's work, is they were talking about this concept of safety, um, safety requests and safety requirements. And I think that's a little bit of us going back to the topic of triggers. You know, Triggers are ours. It's where we learn about ourselves and where our work is. But we can also share that with someone who we care about by saying, hey, here's the kinds of things that I struggle with. Here's what might be difficult for us kind of trying to elicit their aid and their care in working through that or dealing with it better, you know? Because again, that's our responsibility, but we it's okay to let someone know what maybe we struggle with so they can be a part of kind of helping us get through that to our best. If you really hear everything I'm talking about, it's just about uh, transparency and vulnerability. Hey, you're bringing me into your life. Hey, you're being brought into my life. Here's what you need to know. Because again, dating is about figuring out someone's owner's manual, understanding what they need, who they are. A relationship, which is what we date to figure out if we should have, is definitely about having someone's owner's manual because they're your primary partner in a relationship. It's a we and an us. Everything I do, I consider the impact on you in the relationship. That's the commitment a primary relationship becomes. Dating isn't that commitment. Dating is let's see what it's like to be together to see if we're built for that kind of thing. And so you can't have those same expectations, but we're still people impacting each other and we still should be expected to be treated with care and compassion and respect because we're impacting each other. We are real people. I hate when people say things like, it's just an app or it's just early dating or it's casual. Don't take it that seriously. No, no, take it seriously. You're impacting someone. You're absolutely impacting their mental health and their quality of life. Take that very seriously. That doesn't mean they're going to be your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, monogamous, or whatever, but we can still care for people. That's what this is really about advocating for is care. And I don't think anyone would really slam that as, as a non-ideal or not appropriate. Um, all right, we're going to come back and we're going to do some of those DMs. So if you've got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to hit. And we are channelq.com is where you want to go for past episodes of the show. Lots of good stuff there. We are channelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. Binge, post, re-listen and share. Stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the Markable Fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. You got a question for us? Drop it in there. Topic you want us to hit? Drop it in there. Something you want us to circle back and drop deeper into? Guess what? Drop it in there. That's the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Um, you know, we want to hook you up and help you out while you're helping yourself out with some answers, helping out other people. As you know, it's always confidential and anonymous. Any questions you got, drop them in there. Um, all right, this one. <laughs> this one says, hey, Dr. Chris. Me and my partner have been getting along, though we've had rough times in the past. We work really hard on making sure we're always kind and soft with each other, but I still notice that we're having difficulty when we bump up against conflict. See, conflict's an important moment, and I like that this question inherently is highlighting that piece because we're gonna get into disagreements. It's how we manage it that matters. Again, the goal isn't the absence of conflict and disagreement. It's managing it better so that it doesn't wound us. It doesn't harm us. It doesn't separate us. We have to be collaborators and on the same team. So when conflict emerges, you really should be focusing on how do we resolve this? What's the true need? Uh, being solution focused. And the solution has to always be mutually beneficial. Otherwise, it's not the right solution. No one should have to lose. In healthy relationships, we don't think in terms of winning or losing. We think in terms of care for each other. <clears throat> So I'm not going to read the rest of your question because that's where your question goes. <laughs> um, your question further goes on to say, what are some of the tips and tricks that we need to think of so as to make sure that we are actually bonding during times of conflict? Um, and I think that's a question that everyone should be asking because at some point in our lives, we're going to be up against stress, uh, feeling like we don't have the capacity internally to deal with what's happening externally. Uh, we're going to feel very overwhelmed, not at our best. And that's why, again, I would say, you know, as you're getting into a conflict or argument, pay attention to the person you're talking to because how they're what they're showing tells you how well you're doing. Do they look distressed? Do they look scared? Do they look anxious? Then you're not doing so well. They're the barometer. It's kind of like, how do you know if you're a good driver? You pay attention to how safe the passenger feels and comfortable. That's the barometer. So remember that. Watch them. You, you should want them feeling like comfortable and safe as though they're cared for. That's the relational stance. We're always trying to do things relationally, which honor that there's a human being on the receiving end, a human being we care for. And even if we don't care for them, it's still a person and they're still worthy of that respect. Um, so 
always track and pay attention to the person you're talking to. That's the answer. And remember that it's not a battle or a competition. It's not about winning. But again, in our American culture, we are very much about competition. You know, again, it's rooted in neoliberal capitalism where we're threatened by everything, worry about ourselves only, toxic individualism. We're trying to get away from that, right? I was saying that a lot during a pandemic. I was saying you are responsible for your neighbors and your community and your state and your country and the world. Like these are all different arbitrary boundaries, but we really want a, a higher level of collective care. That should be the new ethic. But again, don't worry about whether or not you're fighting and having conflict. That's natural and expected. It's how you manage that. And more importantly, how does it resolve? That would be the first question I'd ask a couple. How do your fights end? And I'd want them to say, well, maybe we're not in agreement, but we, we feel cared for. We're able to still go to dinner. Great. That's what I want to hear, that they're, it's managed and run in a way we can still go to dinner. And the stats show us over and over that how you start determines how it goes. Come in at a zero. And if you're not able to start at a zero, go do some regulatory stuff to get yourself down to a zero. Don't start conversations hot. Don't come in at a seven. Otherwise, we're going to end up at like a 15. Come in at a zero. That makes everyone feel safe and cared for. It gives you the best chance to really have this go smoothly. You know, um, it's all about self-regulation. <laughs> so much comes down to that. Uh, knowing ourselves, knowing our triggers, being able to regulate, having a relational mindset, uh, not thinking competitively. And just like I said, having an ethic of care for those around you and how you influence them. Um, so practice it. Acknowledge where you aren't at your best and all the things I just talked about. And really work on that and start small. Start with the easier people, the easier conflicts. Apply this and then you kind of build your, you know, build your muscles, build your way up, your emotional muscles, your emotional IQ, your emotional intelligence. Um, all right, y'all, that is that. If you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes, because you want to go check out those past episodes so you can really build in that repetition. That's over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it, but you should check out some of the other shows that are there. We're trying to do some really powerful, empowering, inclusive work. Um, but yeah, drop some questions in there because I know you all are wondering about something. Um, spend the rest of the night focusing on kindness towards yourself and those around you. We're dropping the bar a little bit, focusing more time on pleasure and leisure and self-care. We're not trying to burn out, y'all. Thanks for joining me, though. We'll be back tomorrow night, so uh, join me then. As always, thanks for hanging out, and y'all enjoy the rest of your night. Good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 